2: Well, hey friend, it is Jess here. Just some once cancer researcher, once agoraphobe, now currently a podcaster who uh, is in a master's program and lives nowhere and travels alone for enjoyment. Back to talk about your hellish life and the ways to renovate that brain. All right. So Last time we covered a string of mental health issues that we hate to have, but often don't believe we can actually change, thus driving ourselves to mental energy draining that creates complete exhaustion, isolated self-defeat, goal abandonment, and sometimes drug reliance over a lifetime. Really a lot of low energy places to be. Or, you know, if you don't want to get stuck in that place, maybe we can do something about it by realizing that unprocessed emotions and thoughts will create vicious cycles that keep us trapped in depressive spirals until we break the cycle by changing our neural programs. And uh, I gotta say, that's really the point of this whole project It's this neuroplasticity for trauma recovery that we talk about in the private podcast stream all the time these days. Moving forward, not staring backwards is the name of this game. But here today, we're going to pick back up and talk about another string of at least what I see as a cluster of related psychological hangups. It's the other end of the spectrum when we talk about hating life on mental illness. The high energy, physically activating neurotic disorders. So I like to talk about these conditions together because one tends to bleed into the next and then the next. So for simplicity's sake, I think we can categorize them as having a similar vibe And if you learn to manage that vibe, maybe you can manage all of these brain activities together the way that I have. So in my body, these mental health busters are on the same energetic plane. And in my life, that's wound up being a lot more useful than understanding pretty much anything else about them. And trust me, I used to obsessively research anxiety, as you might imagine. But at the root of it, it turns out that all I really ever needed to detect was one symptom and therefore make one point of mental activity contact so that I could start re-regulating my brain and body back to a calm homeostasis. And that symptom was getting way too high frequency with my brain and body operations. So, yeah, I conceptualize these topics as, quote, high-energy mental health disorders. And we're talking about anxiety, obsession, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder today. Alternatively, like we already talked about, there were the low-energy mental disorders, depression, rumination, and shame. Right? Like, can you feel... Feel the difference in energies in your body as you even consider what it means to be in the depths of depression versus when you're in an anxious annihilation. One drains your energy. It's exhausting. It pulls resources out of the whole body system and makes you want to retreat back to bed. It also pulls resources out of your cognitive options leaving you without a lot of those energetically extremely costly activities such as planning, adapting in the moment, critically thinking, and decision making, not to mention emotionally managing yourself. Those areas are just going to feel zapped, honestly, because you aren't activating those parts of the brain when you have more survival-centric shit to concentrate on, And only so much energy with which to do it. Hence, we get depressed, we lose interest in our hobbies, making social plans, or really doing anything. Because all of that is not so important when you might be dying. And your brain will convince you that that's like a daily steady state sometimes, if you're anything like me. Your head becomes less active just to keep emotional and survival processes running. And we're talking depression, shame, and rumination. Now on the other hand, the other option builds up your internal energy. It feels overactivating. Your body is lit up like a Christmas tree. You might as well be vibrating through the walls. Your brain is operating a full light year ahead of reality, causing energetic mismatches throughout your day, such as interpersonal challenges, clumsiness, attentional wormholes, time distortions, and a constant trend of half-aggravation that can be quick-triggered into a full emotional meltdown. Your thoughts are often like, So far ahead that this current moment just feels like an inconvenience. You know what I'm saying? It's not to say that you feel any better about what lies ahead or came before that moment. You really just want to get it all over with. Somehow negating to realize that there will always still be something on the other side for you to also despise. Yeah, hey, look, it's anxiety, obsession, and overactive thinking, commonly known as hyperactive ADD, slash maybe those time-tested intrusive thoughts that we all love so much. Now, when it comes to the polarizing, but equally upsetting events of chronic depression or generalized anxiety, it can be pretty challenging to find a start or finish line. You don't know where they began or why, one issue feeds into the next life-destructive event, and then they rapidly degrade your physical condition to make everything a lot more baffling. But I don't think it all has to be this complicated. I might be an oversimplist, but I see two ways to handle these often comorbid issues together. Not treating your anxiety, your obsession, and your ADHD separately, but all is one unit. And then the same thing goes for that depression, shame, rumination trio too. So firstly, but we're actually going to discuss it secondly, you can learn to manage your energy. As in, you can bring your vibe up or down in order to find a neutral ground. It's a skill. It will take practice and reconnection with your body, but I can do it, so you can definitely fucking do it. Two, you can learn to watch and rewire your thoughts. Because I see these energetic groupings is coming down to the same two pretty basic thought patterns gone very awry. In depression, rumination, and shame, we try to understand what has already happened. We live in the past and we self-protect in the present by giving ourselves time, room, and energetically beneficial conditions to deal with the old emotional memories jangling around with partial shitty narrative memories that we're still developing. We can't start taking new action because our brains never give the start signal, so we have no motivation and we just get stuck here. In anxiety, obsession, and ADHD, on the other hand, we try to predict the future based on what we've already seen in the past. We try to control the world by out-thinking it, out-preparing for it. Our thoughts move very quickly as our brains make automatic decisions based on existing neural connections. And we can't stop taking compulsive action because our brain never gives the stop signal. In both of these cases, it makes sense that we would do these things. We need to know what happened already, and we always want to be prepared for what might kill us next. So since some of us have grown up in unstable environments where that list became several miles long even inert events can ring a recollective bell that says, and then the whole world collapsed. So to say that we're hypervigilant in trying to cognitively outpace our current reality, especially because we were trained to feel unquestionably responsible for everything that goes wrong in life, thanks to people probably telling us so, it all makes a lot of sense. Now, It might be logical, but unfortunately, it isn't realistic. And that's the problem. Well, also the way that it makes our heads spin out of control when, spoilers, there's always a next moment to wonder about. Another thing that can go wrong, and another, and another, leading to a whole life that we don't even want to imagine. But we will anyways. So let's talk more about the specific ways that we torture ourselves, trying to be fortune tellers with universal control. Let's talk about high energy, anxiety, ADHD, and obsession. So first things first, we can get trapped in some of those predictive brain cells, completely unable to redirect our thoughts to the broader spectrum of available neural connections that constitute your entire learned experience so far this entrapment circling endlessly in a tiny area of information encoded in your head like a traffic circle that you can't escape from is called obsession like an energetic hot spot that you just can't deactivate neural synapses that won't stop firing you can also think of it like a muscular pressure point that needs to be relieved I think obsession is complicated because in many contexts, it's actually rewarded. Being diligent, having high attention to detail, thinking from multiple directions. These are all desirable skills in some environments, but they're really a detriment to your head when you can't turn those functions off. Like when your whole life becomes analyze, overanalyze, take action, feel better, analyze, overanalyze, repeat. Meanwhile. Everything is burning to the ground around you while you keep making sure that the heated blanket is powered off. On the other end of the high-energy brain-patterning terrors is the opposite. We can be too diversely mentally activated across many brain networks. ADHD or attention deficit disorder or whatever vernacular is accepted in your region of the world. When we have overgeneralized our brain activity of our connections through rapidly bouncing between a variety of different programs and topics on repeat, we pattern our thoughts to consistently move in this manner. Now we're not specifically focused on any one thing, because our brain wants to keep a watchful eye on every single thing. They might all kill you, like we've established. And you know, this is where I would love to throw in a conversation about how modern media consumption also trains our brains to work in 50 directions at once, so it really never gets anywhere. If you have an unfocused brain to begin with, please get the fuck off of social media, especially first thing in the morning. Stop immediately undermining your efforts to have a clean, directed brain but that's besides the point. The point is, over time, when we do try to direct our thoughts, we're somehow shocked to find out that our brain moves in a scattered direction rather than carefully tracing neural branches more and more deeply in one specific area of focus. It's an overactive energy flowing through your neural circuits Running around without any adults to tell your brain when it should sit down and breathe for a while. Then we call it ADHD and put ourselves on amphetamines for life. So cool. And anxiety? Well, that's the fear based force driving both obsession and thought skipping behaviors. The thing that says, you can't relax, there are things about the future that you don't know about yet. We always need to be ready what can we do about this? Well, guess the fuck what, friends? There's nothing about the future that you do know. There's nothing that you can do, and you will never be ready. But I understand why your brain thinks it's best to imagine every scenario in the carefully cultivated library of bad outcomes. I've been there. I get it. It just isn't helpful. Anxiety is worthless. You cannot predict upcoming events. You cannot predict people. Even if you could, you still can't control how things will actually play out in life. You can dream up 10,000 situations and find yourself weirdly disappointed when the 10,000th and first option is actually the one that comes to fruition look at all of these insomniac nights wasted, you still weren't more creative than random life events can be. You can only use anxiety effectively when you can apply it to something you can control, like getting anxious about completing a task that you know is due in 24 hours. You can make yourself get through the job with a small, keyword small, hint of stress in that case. But the rest of the time, (laughs) anxiety is a maladaptive, overgeneralized, tea leaf reading response to life that makes no logical sense. One that will completely destroy your physical system if you let it get out of control, by the way. Anxiety and stress are like the same thing with your bodily activations, meaning they're designed to help acutely. To get you out of momentary danger. And then they are going to actively destroy you from the inside out if you keep trying to use them for one lifetime perception of danger. Getting sick all the time without explanation, having physical failures that doctors dismiss, immune systems, overactivations, and overactivations in all the wrong ways. Well, it's your anxiety, like nine times out of 10. Just trust me on this one. And um, ironically, health failures due to anxiety will become another really great way to increase that anxiety. So just believe that reducing your stress is a really great place to start feeling better and work on ways to just keep bringing it down day after day as the penultimate responsibility you have in this entropic universe that you cannot manage none of us can. It'll give you one less thing to obsess about. You can probably focus better with less intrusive thoughts about your health if you stop pondering all the ways that you're prone to dying from the inside out as well as the outside in. So the important question is, how do we help any of this? My recommendation would be to start noticing the high energy that's coursing through your veins and then learning your critical thinking grounding techniques, like journaling questions to yourself such as, is this real? Do I know that this is going to happen? If it does, what's the worst that can happen from that? But then really, like what's the worst? And then what? and why am I assuming that any of this is a real prediction? Go ahead, get super skeptical with your own thoughts. You're going to find out that a shocking amount of the time, your stupid fucking brain is wrong. Just blatantly wrong. Those thoughts are complete bullshit, composed of other people's flippantly spoken ideas, overgeneralized fear, and unhealthy projections about your capacities. Also do yourself a big favor, and learn how to decrease your energy. I like to think of it as pulling my consciousness out of my head and into the deep place in my gut where calm, peaceful sanity lives. Tune into the backlogged episodes on the construct of self to find out a lot more information about that. It's really helpful, and it makes you capable of rewiring your brain 10,000 times faster. But another thing that you can do in this regard of decreasing your energy every day, go ahead and scoff now, but it is exercise. I know, we all hate it, whatever. But please, listen, get your extra physical energy out of your system every single day, It is a way that you can undoubtedly help yourself, even if it's not a magic bullet. You might as well do it, right? Like, no, it isn't the 100% fix that we all are looking for. Doing yoga is not going to fix your trauma brain. But, motherfucker, if you can try to cut out as much physical suffering as you possibly can, and that means reducing your physical energy. Being at 60% anxiety is a far more approachable state than trying to mentally manage it at 110% every day, right? So if you can bring down as much of your energy as possible physically, it does feed into your mental space. Not to mention just all of the mental and emotional processing that you actually accomplish while exercising and the fact that it makes you regrow brain connections. I could go on. But lastly, in this super simplistic rundown of how you might be able to help your damn self with anxiety, obsession, and scattered thoughts, maybe a controversial approach here, but try to worry more about the events that are happening right in front of you, now. (laughs) They are guaranteed to be relevant and you don't have to wager any bets about their likelihood. Looks like the chances are 1 billion percent. Plus, you can affect them right here and right now to see what your degree of control and responsibility on the planet actually is instead of just dreaming up scenarios. To do that, go out and do some shit. Experience new stimulation, including, yes, sometimes hiccups in life, and see how you and your brain manage. Build confidence. Find out that you'll make it out alive, even when life isn't something that you can accurately hypothesize all about. Just stop guessing, stop predicting. Stop increasing your neural and physical energy to a degree that it's unmanageable and dispersed among too many discrepant brain areas to ever even be useful with no possible relief because no come down follows a non-event. You'll just get a new round of anxiety about another potential one that you dream up. Stop the anxiety driving belief that you are in control around here on a universal scale. You're not. None of us are. And um, that's it. That's my tough love on anxiety and neuroticism. In my experience, it is a brain-dominant, bodily-disconnected, high-energy nightmare that you can, with practice, opt out of in any situation. Same with the obsession and unfocused thinking that come along for the ride. Or, at least, this is how I've been able to break it down and manage it in my life. And I try to make it this simple because, you know, I don't think obsessing over obsessing will help. Being anxious about being anxious and so forth. Just recognizing the reason why your brain wants to infinitely loop through five different thoughts And also learning how to drop your energy out of your head and into your body might, though. So, in two episodes and, like, pretty much no time at all, that means we've now covered a ton of mental health issues that constitute hell by breaking them into their functional purposes and underlying symptoms that we can cluster together. Depression on one end and anxiety on the other – Both of these conditions do have survival functions, by the way. One, a hibernation effect. The other, a get-busy-or-die-trying effect. The problem is just the way that our brain doesn't get a chance for relief from either of them. Especially when we live in an artificial human world in which either option is not going to realistically resolve whatever we're so worried about. And often, we wind up living with one foot straddled on each end of the energetic axes, don't we? Vacillating between. Half depressed, half anxious about everything. Hating ourselves for the past and freaking out about the possibilities of the future. Especially when filtered through that I'm a failure and the world is only cruel lens. Let's call that uh, the modern human condition. Are you always going to have material to compare yourself to others? Yes, so you can enjoy being drained and depressed all the time worrying about what you should have done differently. Live in that parasympathetic rest and digest response forever. Are you always going to have something to be stressed about that's unknown? Yes, enjoy being riled up, anxious, and obsessive on a lifetime scale because our sense of stability is related to a thousand societal factors and a continual influx of dooming information. Turn on the news and love being continually, sympathetically activated, creating that fight-or-flight condition day after day. Now, you can go ahead and dial those things up to level 11 if you have a history of trauma in order to provide that historical proof that everything will go wrong and live on it for a few decades. Does that explain a lot of how you wound up here? trying to escape from whatever you're trying to escape from right now. Great. Now let's get it under control and move on from it. That's the thing that matters most. So if you're looking for a lot more information or just some more relatable content right now on the horror story of living in this tug of war, somewhere between wanting to die because of the pain of the past and wanting to die because of the expected pain of the future, you know where to find it. I have been rapping about this for the past year and a half in the first chapter of this show. You can find all of that, like 200 episodes, at patreon.com. Just search traumatized motherfuckers. That's where what essentially has become a walk-along-with-me course in understanding trauma brain, from huge events down to the more subtle brain ticks, Safely resides. Trust me, I clearly was not always this informed or trauma management skilled. I promise. See it unfold. And you might ask, Why is this trauma recovery story so far hidden there on the Patreon? I promise, it's actually not me and capitalism. It is actually, honestly... That people are creepily obsessive for all the wrong reasons sometimes. You might notice a couple of rogue, negative reviews. Well, I've accumulated a couple of anti-fans in my real life, and sometimes they filter over here, gathering information that they don't need to make other people's lives more terrible. Also, it's because we started getting so niched down in our conversations around here after a year and a half of learning together that the material didn't really make sense to outsiders anymore. So let's shove that away from the public. And you can be inundated with this whole series of informational episodes if you really want to dive in deeply. Lastly, because if you're interested, you can witness me on the verge of almost losing my trauma-recovered mind archived in a podcast over the most tumultuous year of my life there. So as interesting as that probably is, I really don't love transmitting my high or low energy to people who don't need the extra influence. If you're still looking for a safe home to learn and talk about the most functionally fucked up things your stupid brain is always doing, I'm saying you know where you can find it. It's a safe place where you're among friends. Go to t-mfrs.com for more information, to get to the Patreon, and to also see the blog-posted versions of these episodes. There you will also find the doodles that accompany these talks. So hit the blog and see some visuals. Get this information visually instead of just hearing it because your brain is better at sensory memory creation than the declarative ones. And that's it. I'll see you guys next time when we broadly detail the next thing I think you need to know about your trauma brain and subsequent life, losing control of your brain to triggers, spirals, addictions, self-harm, and bad habits. Till then, remember, you aren't alone. You are not broken. You are not doomed to live like this forever. And although booze will make everything we just talked about so much worse, ask the employees of the brewery I also used to work at, I think that's something to cheers to. So hail yourself and cheers, y'all. My name is Jess, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.